episode of Miracle Soup with your host, Christoph Heinen. Today is a solo show as I'm still, you know, the next interviews are sort of lined up for the next week. Um, really excited to be having Trisha Eastman on. She's a, um, she works with Iboga um, down in the healing center in Mexico called Crossroads. Iboga is a plant medicine from West Africa, which helps people, has an amazing record of helping to cure um, alcoholism and opiate addiction, as well as a host of other things. It's an amazing plant that I've really been interested in for years, sort of um, similar in, in a lot of ways, I'm sure, to ayahuasca. And I just am thrilled that she is going to be on the show. Um, I also have a Course of Miracles teacher coming on. And then the next thing is... Well, I mean, the sky's the limit. This golden thread, I'm going to tell you right now, that thing, um, Steve Gray talked about that in the, in the interview a few, a few episodes ago and mentioned that, you know, you just follow this golden thread and you see where it leads and you have this curiosity and this, um, and this, uh, you follow these impulses and, you know, taking that to following up with Paul's work last week, which I thought was just an amazing episode that, um, Man, re- really went deep for me. I don't know if if any of you really really let that sink in, um, or if it resonated with you. I just I thought it was so profound. It's literally just that that information of of withdrawing the projection. You know that it's that this is a dreamed up reality that we're dreaming this this whole thing up, and that these people who are causing us so many problems, so to speak, you know, that's obviously not the reality, but that's what our, our language, um, sort of hypnotizes us into believing, but having all these people, um, these, uh, they are really dreamed up images of us so that, um, they're images that we are dreaming up ourselves to show us the blind spots in our own life, in our own psyche, where, where the, um, where the shadow, where the false beliefs, where the the lies are sort of um, living and active. And if we can see that projected outside of ourselves, then we can heal it inside of ourselves. So really, if we ever have somebody in our life, which I know we all do, who is really, really pushing our buttons, somebody who is who we'd even go as far to say they are just the embodiment of evil itself and they're so terrible and how could they do this and oh they just drive me crazy if we have someone like that in our life we i'm just going to say the word should we should <laughs> i don't like to use that one but we should be so extremely grateful for that person so extremely grateful they are literally helping us unravel and become free and unravel the misconstrued beliefs that are that we've inherited from generations and generations and help us to unravel those patterns so that we can really live in our truth and without them we wouldn't be able to do that and with and 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 ultimately they're really dreamed up characters within this dream that we're experiencing so Oh, what was I? Oh yeah. Course of Miracles has an amazing little quote. It says that 
that person who is your enemy, that person who, I forgot the exact wording, but the person in your life who, who is that person who touches your buttons, who makes you so angry, you know, so to speak, said that person, it doesn't even say that person is your teacher. It says, or that person is a blessing. It goes to the maximum, maximum. It says, that person is your savior. That person is your savior. That person is here to save you, to show you, to instigate your being saved from the illusion of separation and the illusion of good and bad and the illusion of division. And that person should just really be worshiped in your heart. You don't maybe have to go put flowers on their feet or anything like that, because that's kind of weird, maybe out of place. But whoever that person is, is a profound gift from the Holy Spirit to you. I'd go as far as to say, that's, that's the Christ, that's the Holy Spirit taking on a shape, a form of this Wetiko energy for you to awaken from your unconscious beliefs. And as I said earlier, being passed down, that's really the next thread of this story on Miracle Soup. And that thread is, you know, we can look at this projection and this, this shadow within ourselves, how it's projecting outside, and we can, it can really, really cause us some harm. It can really maybe fuck up our lives. And then we can maybe get to a place where we're learning how to integrate it. But then the next step is seeing that this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, it didn't start with you. And that's actually the name of this book I got called Mark, um, by Mark Woln called It Didn't Start With You, How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How to End the Cycle. So this Watiko pattern is handed down generationally, generationally. Okay. So trippy. So these patterns that are dysfunctional within us and within those people close to us, because they're always going to be the ones providing the the most um, uh, vivid mirror, you know, of our own unintegrated Wetiko patterns, our unconsciousness, our beliefs in separation and retribution and pain and suffering and self-hate and all that stuff that's just not aligned with the Holy Spirit and the source, which is just all is love and abundance and creativity and all that good stuff. Well, that isn't, that is just inherited trait, an inherited pattern from generations before. Uh, Mark says, you really look at the, the three generations, you know, um, but, but I, I believe, I mean, it, it's got to start way farther up the chain. Who knows when? Um, I can't even think back that far. But in his book, he talks about um, scientific studies where they took rats. They, fed, they, um, they, pr- they gave the rats the smell. It was like a cherry smell. And after they smelled the smell, they would like shock them. I mean, it's really, it's kind of sick and twisted what these scientists do with rats. I mean, Jesus, I'm so sorry, you little creatures for, for this, but I am so very grateful for the information 
that all these studies have provided, which hopefully can help us come to a place where we don't have to torture rats to get information, right? But anyway, just whether it's right or wrong, whatever, these rats were used in a scientific experiment where they had a, a whiff of this cherry smell, and then they were shocked or harmed in some way. Some trauma was, was um, instigated, okay? What they found was that those rats, had, when those rats had babies, those babies, when they smelled that smell, they would get very anxious and nervous. It was very, uh, had a response of, of, of like the trauma, right? When those rats, those rat pups had rat pups, so this is the third generation, so it was the grandparents originally smelling the smell. Well, the grand pups, when they smelled the smell, they would automatically get into a anxiety, uh, nervous response. So that trauma is passed down. So I'm sitting here thinking, whoa, dude. Okay, I'm not alone in this, but just in, in my own history, both of my grandfathers were in World War II. My one grandfather was in uh, a Russian concentration camp. My other grandfather was there on D-Day. I know he saw like horrific things. Um, wow, I get chills just talking about it. And in my um, German side, you know, the, the, my grandparents were living in Germany, so they were right in it with the Nazi concentration camp. And, and there were there, you know, we have stories in our family of just of sort of abuse that went on when the Americans came in and the Russians came in and all this kind of stuff. So like profound and horrific trauma occurred in my grandparents' generation. Okay. So I'm like that grand pup, grand kid pup rat who, I don't even know what it is, but um, I still have these patterns, you know, and I'm working with it. And, um, but that sheds so much insight for me, like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff that isn't me. It's not the fact that there's something wrong, my brain chemistry, you know, like Paul was saying, how that's even just a made up thing. Um, but it's not like my brain chemistry is wrong. It's not that I did anything wrong to like be, to have these, um, dysfunctional patterns in my life, you know, and I'm not like saying I'm special, like seriously, like we all are kind of fucked up, aren't we? We're all doing our best, but we all have things that trigger us, um, which are that, which can seem like very out of place. We all have our weird little habits and our hangups and this and that. And, um, Sorry, I'm getting distracted here. There we go. And so where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So to see that, that this Watiko sort of pattern gets passed down. Whoa, that does a number of things. It helps me let myself off the hook. And it also helps me really um, conjure the dedication um, and the strength to really investigate these patterns and learn how to integrate them and stop them now so they don't have to continue to be passed down for more generations. So, uh, yeah, Mark Wallen, it didn't start with you. Fascinating book. I totally went ahead and emailed this guy, man. And he's kind of famous and he's like, he has a very fancy website and I'm sure he's just, he has a very like thriving practice and he's probably sought out by 
thousands of people, but I just said, what the heck, sent a Hail Mary email um, to Mark. Mark, if you're listening, please come on my show. I want to pick your brain. I want to disseminate this information to the masses far and wide so that we can glean from the benefits of your work and heal our generational trauma. Man, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating. It's all the Watiko, like the old World War II, that whole thing, old World War I. It's all like this collective Watiko hypnosis, and then these traumas are created and passed down. We don't know how to deal with them. And uh, one story was of a woman who uh, she came into Mark's practice, and because she she's a she's a cutter, she'd cut her arms, you know probably to relieve the pain that she was experiencing inside. But this woman cut herself so deeply. She cut herself so deep that she'd almost like have to, she'd have to get rushed to the hospital every time. Cause she was uh, like about to kill her. She's about to die, bleed out. And, and Mark had her in her practice and he, and he, he didn't know at the time. It was like one of his first cases where he figured this whole in, um, inherited family trauma thing, but she came in and he was like, what's up with your mom and your dad? How's your relationship? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. Nothing going on. Just they love me. I had a great upbringing. There was nothing, no no flags. And he was just trying, he was racking his brain trying to find out what is causing this behavior. And out of the blue, he asked, "What what's, what's up with your, uh, tell me about your grandparents. And she shared a story that her grandmother was an alcoholic and was driving with her grandfather one day and she was drunk and she crashed. Her grandfather went flying out of the windshield, cut his arms, lacerated his arms on the windshield and bled to death. Bing. You think that has anything to do with it? So here she is with this same like energy signature, like reliving that trauma because it hadn't been dealt with. It hadn't been like understood and like integrated. So there she is, just ble- like causing this pain to herself. And it turned out the grandmother, she was an alcoholic because, forgot exactly, but you know, she was uh, something really, some trauma happened with her father, which caused so much pain she didn't know how to deal with it, and so she went to drinking. I think, whoa, there is a chain of events leading right to us. We have this whole ancestry behind us full of all these different traits, lots of good traits and lots of trauma. And when it comes in, we can, um, we can begin to ask ourselves, what is this ancestral? What happened in my family that's, that I'm acting out right now? And I haven't finished the book, but Mark has a whole system in here, a whole set of questions you ask yourself to, um, to integrate that. Also today, I wanted to address a question I got from a listener. Um, I think people are still like, they listen to the Watiko episode. They're not really uh, totally get it. Like the question I got was what is, what does non-local mean, right? What is this non-local phenomenon uh, the nature of Wetiko being non-local. And the best way that I can address that is, I think I mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it again, is this dream I had. Years ago, I mean, I was probably maybe a tween, 
maybe like 12 or 13, maybe a little older, 15 or so. But it was a stream of the cats, right? And I was in this tower looking over like a sort of a pastoral landscape and everything was beautiful. But there were these two cats in the room with me in this tower. And they were like just fucking evil. They were evil cats. They wanted to harm me. They wanted to harm as many people as they could. They wanted to just destroy lives. They wanted to just create chaos and suffering and misery. And I I could see it in their eyes. I could see it in their face. They were bad cats. Okay, people, let me tell you. And so what did I do? But I saw them. I'm like, damn, that's some bad shit. I picked up a fork and I mutilated the cats. I just let out all my rage and I destroyed the cats, right? Thinking, okay, took care of that. Evil's gone. Kind of like maybe how some people think like if we if if you could assassinate somebody, you would take care of that problem, right? But no, 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 that's not how it works. Once I mutilated the cats, I couldn't see anything, but I could feel the presence of this evil still present in the room and it flew out of the window and it sort of just like went out to find another host. Okay? So that's what non-local means. It means it's not tied to a local um, form, a local manifestation. The non-local phenomenon is that it it exists sort of as a spirit. It it exists everywhere. It kind of comes into our mind. It exists in our minds ultimately, right? And just the same way as, um, you know, I think, for example, my teacher, Amachi, she repeatedly says and reminds her her um, her devotees so often, Amma is not this body. She is not confined to this body. The divine mother, the, the source energy, the Christ consciousness is not limited. It's not stuck in a little body that you have to go run and see and get blessings from. It exists in all things, it exists everywhere, all at once. It exists in your own heart, in your mind, okay? And it's like a frequency. And that's what the Watiko is. It's a frequency. That's what non-local means. It means that when someone's doing this thing or they're acting out um, what might be considered evil, then it's not that person. And Paul reminded us in the in the podcast, it's very important to separate the person from the archetype, the archetypal energy that's working through that person. It's not the person. That person is just a person, right? It's this energy that's working through. And the reason that energy is working through is because you being the witness, the perceiver, you have this in you and it's being shown outside on the screen of this reality so that you can address those issues that are inside of you. And that's the way to be free from it. That's the way to be free from it, which is so exciting and empowering. Oh man, I'm really, I'm really on one today. That's, that's, that's fun. I hope, I hope that that clears up some stuff about the non-local, um, um, traits, the non-local concept, you know, really, Really good stuff. The rem- that quantum physics is the remedy for the Watiko, is the medicine, is the as the remedy, and and the quantum, um, the quantum model, you know, is that 
real, there is no objective, solid reality, that this is a projection of the mind, and that essentially everything that we see in form is really made up more of space, and things aren't as solid as they seem, as to as opposed to new, the Newtonian, um, the Newtonian model, which is. Yes, this universe is objective. It's solid. It goes by certain fundamental laws. And um, the Newtonian method sort of would say something along the lines of, you know, this world is real and this world is solid. And if I see something, if, if so-and-so is acting a certain way, I'm going to feel bad. If things are going well, I'm going to feel good, right? Like once I get that car in the solid world, I'll feel so, I'll feel so okay. Once that person treats me better, I can be happy. That's like the Newtonian model. Whereas the quantum model is, this is all my dream. And if I'm perceiving something that is scary or dangerous or um, upsetting, then changing that thing out there is not going to make me happy or peaceful or resolved. It's the other way around by, by accessing that current within me, that energy, that frequency of feeling peaceful, of feeling grateful, of feeling abundant, then that reflects in the dream projection of the world of form. So getting that, those two fundamental paradigms and, and beginning to experiment, play with and shift from the Newtonian paradigm to the quantum model, that changes so much. And, and, and in my life, I've noticed some profound changes as I withdraw the projection and like, whoa, that person ain't no Watiko. That Watiko is in my mind. And that is where I have the power to change it. You know, that person can do whatever they want ultimately with this awareness and if I'm upset, that's because I'm giving them the power and I'm, I'm creating upset and, I'm, and that's creating a feedback loop where my upset is therefore showing me more of that on the screen of reality. All right, so thanks for tuning in today. Um, I just wanted to leave you all with one more movie reference and if you can remember back to, I think it was a 1981 film, Jim Henson, The Dark Crystal. You guys remember? There are the Skeksis and the Mystics. And throughout the movie, we think there's these two different factions. Um, this is a total um, <laughs> spoiler alert, too. If you haven't seen Dark Crystal, stop this podcast right now and then go watch it when you can because it's a great movie. Um, and then come back to this. But, but if you haven't seen it, don't listen. Cause I'm going to give everything away right now. And I, I don't want to ruin it for you. Okay. But, but y'all remember then for the people who have watched it, don't want to kill it for anybody. There were the Skeksis and the mystics and throughout the whole movie. There was sort of this dynamic between them. The mystics were slowly kind of migrating towards the Skeksis and the Skeksis were like the evil, the evil, you know, a dictator, um, power over others, race, and the mystics were kind of like the Tibetan 
Tibetan monks and they lived peacefully and they owned and they had their sand paintings and their sort of like mystical traditions. The Skeksis were just all about control and, and fighting and division. And it was the total um, uh, Witiko model versus the sort of enlightened model. But what happens at the end is they come together and they merge. Remember that? And it's like, you're like, whoa, that was the huge twist of the story. Because normal stories, it's like a fight between good and bad. But in this movie, the Skeksis, the Watiko, and the mystics, they merge into like a truly transcendental, integrated being. Um, and, I, and I think that is what, whether it was Jim Henson or whoever wrote the movie, that's what they're trying to get across. It's not um, kill the bad. It's not do away with something, but it's integrate. And it's when we see something that that is of the of the darkness or of the shadow or of the the evil. Um, it's not so much about just destroying them. It's more about integrating that within your bigger self. So I think that's enough for today. Um, Really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to this upcoming interviews. And if you haven't already subscribed, please go ahead and do so. Um, this creates momentum for more people to join in the conversation and join in um, this kind of information, which I find is so important right now for people to um, to understand and to integrate and for these kinds of dialogues and this kind of awareness to spread. So I'm really excited about, about doing this for that reason. Um, yeah, it's, it's already late, uh, started this podcast Sunday. It's already late Monday night and I just really want to get it out on Monday because Monday is the day for their Miracle Soup podcast to come out and, um, make sure to check your feed for next Monday when I'll have Trisha Eastman, um, her interview. So having said that, I wish you all the best, um, much gratitude and many blessings in your integrating of all the different shades of gray and dark and rainbow um, effervescence. Okay, my friends, aloha. Till next time.